Today we're starting a brand new series called Summer Road Trip, uh, which I'm, I'm really excited about. And uh, usually when we, we kind of dive into a, uh, a message series, um, sometimes it's like God's given me like a certain book or a certain chapter or a certain idea that's like, hey, I want you to kind of pound this home and just make sure everybody walks away getting this. Uh, sometimes it'll be something more thematic of like God's saying, speak to um, singleness and marriage and, and the things that we battle in those areas. God will lead in that direction. And this one, God gave me kind of a unique kind of uh, approach to uh, the biblical locations. I thought it was a cool time to do it here at summer because like we go on road trips, we have little trips here. Everybody's looking for a nice little day trip to get away and do something fun. And I started thinking about all these different places in the Bible where incredible things happened. Like all these incredible moments, like at a riverbed where God parted the waters, or on a mountain where they got the Ten Commandments, or all these biblical cities of the New Testament, and there's all these different locations where these incredible things happened. There was a, a pool, like where someone was healed when they jumped into the pool, if you will, and so it's kind of the summer theme of just going to see different things, but my prayer is that as we go through this journey of these different locations, God would be speaking things that are very unique in our lives, and that this summer, summer of 2015, would be a summer of significance in our life, a summer that God does something on the inside that that really does begin to happen on the outside. That song's very much true, I believe, for the things that God's stirring for this season in our church, and so just allow God to speak into your your life, and uh, know that he he wants to to use you in a new way in this season, and so we're going to be going to Genesis chapter 12 here in just a moment. Uh, some of you that have parents, uh, your parents have young children, for, or any of you that have been there before, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say this. Uh, there's a time in like a young family's kind of life um, where things get crazy in the house. Like kids, like they skipped their nap or, you know, like they, they got a sugar rush off something they gave them at school or uh, hopefully not at church, but every once in a while we give them sugar. Um, things just start getting crazy, and like, or, or it's been raining, and kids just need to get out of the house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you that have been around this. There's just those times, and like, for us, like, I, I just kind of look at Taryn, I'm like, we need to go somewhere. Like, we, we are leaving. I don't know where we're going, but we are leaving. Get the kids dressed, and as fast as we can, we put on shoes, and they probably look like a mess going out, and we probably look like a mess going out, but we're like, get in the car, we're leaving, and we have no idea where we're going, but we are leaving that house right then, because we can't handle it anymore there, and, and we hop in the car, and we back out, and we have this kind of weird thing, and it's not, it doesn't take very long to get to the end of our driveway, but in that time, like, we ask each other, like, five times, where are we going, where are we going, where are we going, because by the time we get to the end of the driveway, we want an answer, because I got to turn left or right, and so we ask it, like, four or five times back and forth, where are we going, where are we going, where are we going, nobody has answers, nobody wants to make a decision, but then we get to the end of the driveway, and I hate this moment. I hate it when we get to the end of the driveway because we don't have a decision made. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're doing. We just know we've got to leave there. And we get to this place, and now it's like we've got to turn left or we've got to turn right. You know what I'm talking about? I like just speaking the life a little bit. There's a time where we get there. I don't know where I'm going, but we, you know, we can't stay there. <laughs> and I get there, and it's a turn left or right. I think that's, I think that's where a lot of us are at in our, our personal lives. I, I really do. I, I think we, we don't know where we're going. We don't know how to get there. I just know we can't stay here. And I think that's the place where we're at at the church. God called us here, and he's been doing good things inside of our church. And 
Um, and I'm proud of what God's doing. I'm excited about it. You guys don't get to hear as many stories as I do, but that's why we try to do things like storytellers on, on occasion. Just get those stories in front of you. And if you're in the group life of what we started the other night, summer nights, you'll just enjoy that so much because you get to hear what God's doing in people in their life, seeing it kind of twisted out. And sometimes we don't get that opportunity here on Sundays. And, and uh, I think that's what God's doing in our church is I don't know where we're going. I don't have all the answers about the next 20 years, but I, I know that we can't stay where we're at. And so I want to talk to you this morning about leaving the familiar for the promise. Leaving the familiar for the promise. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. And man, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, this is a close, this text is close to my heart, and I'll share more why here in just a few minutes. We're going to come back and kind of walk our way through the text, Genesis chapter 12. Again, if you use the Bible app, version, uh, that we're on there for the live events, so you can find it there, and there's kind of notes to get you started uh, throughout, uh, and then you can take additional notes. Um, Chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to read all the way through it, and we'll come back and and digest one at a time. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land. I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired there in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem, At the time, uh, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills, east of Bethel, and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord. And he called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Let's go back to verse 1. We talk about leaving the familiar for the promise. And some of that stuff, uh, I think many times when you hear the word promise, you're like, what does that mean? I don't know that I've ever gotten a promise from the Lord. But there are promises that, that have been given to us throughout the Scripture uh, about God's involvement in our life. Um, and, and so it's important that we dig in the Scripture and know the promises of God. And we're going to look at, at one of those, leaving that for the promise, the things that God set before us, the life that he's called us to, the dreams, the visions that he's placed in our heart, even that we don't have quite recollection of. Uh, and I think that's also as a group. So starting with verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. It was about five, five and a half years ago that this scripture started coming around in my brain. Um, no one preached a message on it, but God just kind of dropped it in and uh, Heard it, and I'm like, oh, that's a great, great scripture, really encouraging, God, like, cool. Um, But it wasn't like that. It it was actually much deeper, um, and God began to repeat that to me over and over and over again. In fact, he wouldn't tell me anything else except for that right there. Um, The Lord said, go from your country, and the more that God kept repeating that, the more and more completely terrified I got, (laughs) because God, that, that sounds scary. That's sitting at the end of the driveway. I don't know where I'm going I can't stay here. We were on full, full-time staff in ministry, and God was pounding this text. And like we, we had been kind of toiling away and hadn't seen much fruit for a couple of years. And then kind of year three, four, five, man, we started seeing some incredible fruit. 
um, in, in the ministry, and God was blessing. It's like, God, now you're, now you're telling me this? Like, what's up with that? Now that things are going awesome, like, why are, why are you repeating this? And it was over and over and over again that I had a very real understanding that he was telling me I was going to have to follow what Abraham did here in my own life to fulfill the, the call he had on my life. Uh, at that time, I didn't know what it was. Uh, there was a lot, kind of a few different directions I thought God might be using in my life, some passions, some different, you know, skills I feel like God might be leading me to. But after, you know, a couple more years talking to our pastor for about a year, he, we, we kind of figured out, like, it's God's calling us to plant a church, and so we moved here. So I've, I've lived that word go, and I've lived the time where I was focused on the country, I was focused on the people, and I was focused on my father's household, having to, to leave those things. I think so many times we're really focused on all these other things when God's telling us to just obey. We get focused and we look for answers and start painting a picture of this land he's going to show us. We're so worried about the land that he's going to show us, but, but it becomes this analysis and we kind of set ourselves up for failure because of this picture we have in our mind. So I really think the first thing when leaving the familiar to, to the promises, you just got to focus on the go. Just focus on the go. Don't focus on all the rest of it. When God says go, when he get, tells you to do something, like, what are you waiting on? Like, I get really frustrated with my son when I have to tell him to do something like 20 times. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you hate to have to do that. And like, I wonder how many times God's frustrated with us. And then we come back, like, God, you never speak to me. He's like, no, I actually spoke to you on a regular basis. I've been telling you to do that for like a year, and you still haven't done that. So don't complain that you're not getting new instructions when you haven't obeyed the last ones. I don't even know if I can trust you with any more instructions, but we don't, we don't want that. We don't want, we don't, as people of faith, we don't want to have to use it, right? <laughs> we don't want to actually have to do something that requires faith. Like, how crazy is that, that we'd have to do that? Focus on the go. As, as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, our responsibility and our faithfulness is to respond to the go. So just focus on the go. Don't get overwhelmed by the great promise. Don't try to paint the whole picture. It's just getting started. And it's going to start, every stroke is going to be hitting as you take a step of obedience. It's not going to happen. It's not going to, you're not going to present a portrait of, of what you imagined it was going to be to God. Like, hey, this will happen. When you get this painting finished, God, I'll step out and we'll, we'll walk into it. No, it's every step of obedience along the way. And obedience isn't optional for us as children of God. So leaving the familiar promise, focus on the go. Just focus on the obedience. Don't get caught up in the rest of it yet. That's going to come. And God gives us a promise here in, in verse 2 and 3. I will, ma- I, 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 not me, God saying this, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you Or I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is a promise, and I think kind of the second thing when leaving the familiar for the promise, I think we got to understand the promise. We're so worried about figuring out kind of the end result and kind of manipulating things and how we want them to go that we kind of don't focus on the go and take the step. But we also don't really understand the essence of the promise. And I think if we were to just break down the promise to Abraham and, and kind of apply it, in our lives, I think it would share a bunch of things. One, that God wants to refine us. It's not you going to make you into a great nation. You'll make yourself into a great nation. I mean, we have this American pride of self-made men and women just making it. God's going to do it. God's going to refine us. 
over the past two years as a church since we launched over the past, since, I'll tell you, let me just move it away from the church for a second. And me personally, as every step I go, every season of our church, God is refining me as your pastor. He is. He's refining me. I am not the same individual today, spiritually, knowledge-wise, wisdom-wise, emotionally, and, and my feet being firmly planted. I'm not the same person that when we first met. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet, but I'm past the start, and God's continually refining me, and I think he wants to do that in all of our lives. And I believe that he's doing that in, our, in the life of our church. He's refining us. He's continually refining us in every season. And we're looking and we're waiting for the painting to come together. We're, we just want the painting, drop it in there. But it's happening season by season. God is refining us. And he's saying, I will make you into a great nation. And he's not just saying, I want to refine you. He's saying, I want to give you legacy. This, isn't, this promise is not just about you. I, I look back at, at Krista when you were sharing your story a couple of weeks ago. And you haven't had that legacy in your life, but you said, I'm going to make sure in my kid's life, he's going to have an understanding and knowledge of God. God is not only refining you in this season, but he is doing something to make you, to make you and to refine you, to give you a legacy. And that's what he's saying to Abraham. But here's the thing, like for Abraham, like he, he doesn't have kids at this time. So the promise seems like it's kind of far off. He's 75 and hasn't had kids yet. Feels like it's far off. Not only does he want to refine us and give us a legacy, uh, but he wants to have a faithful influence. I will make your name great. So, uh, like, sometimes we push back from influence because of we know, like, when we're influencers, like, there's a higher responsibility, right? We, we know that others are looking at us, and some of us don't think anybody's looking at our life. Some of us don't want to be influencers, but Jesus said, you know, you're the light of the world. Like, in John, John calls him the light of the world. God's the light of the world. Jesus, in Matthew, says, you're the light of the world. You're the salt and, and the light in the earth. And, and you, he, you're the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. As a church, that God's binding us together to give us a greater influence. And, and that happens by each one of us being faithful with the influence that we've been given. That's a part of the promise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your name great. And it's not us. It's not me going out and making a name for ourselves. Some of us sometimes in our, in our youth, in my immature, I'm going to go make a name for ourselves. I think early on in, in uh, ministry, I was hustling and, and even, even just kind of was fighting this really until we moved here. It was just hard to break out of the routine I'd created uh, in, in Georgia. But I was working 70, 80, 90 hours. I was going to go make this great name of ministry. Uh, it was all about God, you know, I, but there was also, there's, if I really started digging it out the layers, and I said that, it was all about God. I was super humble on the outside, you know, but down on the inside, if I was really honest with myself, what are you in this for? It, it was really God saying, hey, I, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make your, your name great. I'm going to, Fathom Church is going to have influence. Uh, the people of Fathom Church, Kyle Nelson, our family's going to have influence, but God's going to do it. As we're faithful. And, and you, some of us are going to have different levels of influence. You may be influencing just your children and like be stinking faithful with the influence you have. You may just be influencing one friend or one family member right now. But be faithful with that influence. It may just be your husband. It may be your wife. It may be the person you're dating. It may be people at work. Two people in the cubicle next to you. Be faithful with that influence. Because you might be the only light they're getting. The only salt that they have in their life. And... Uh, so not only that, God wants to fight for us. We go out and we just go swinging, right? 
man, there was, <laughs> there was this one time when I was a kid, and we'd go out, and we played a lot of football. I mean, we were no shirt, like, no shoes. We just went out into the lot and just had at it, and we beat each other up bad. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, it was bad. There was like 25 kids within like five years of each other that played football on a regular basis, so I just grew up with that. Most of them were older than me, um, but I had a smart mouth, and I had a hot temper, and uh, I learned to kind of fight for myself, and I, I kind of got around because I was scared to death of getting knocked over, um, so I got pretty decent at running around. Well, there was this one day, this dude just jawed me, and I'm telling you, I had temper, and I just straight, just like, bam, just like punched him right in his mouth, like right there. We were playing foot right in the middle of the game. I just over it. I know you love to hear, like, your pastor, like, talk about when he beat people up. There's a lot more stories, but I'll save those for another day. Um, just popped in his mouth, nose, just gushing blood, and I don't know why, but like, because I think everybody was more his friends at the time, and my reaction when I saw all the, I just looked around for a second, everybody was like about to beat me up, and so I literally ran from like 10 guys after I punched this guy, because I was about to get just taken to the ground pretty bad. We were all friends, and like we still were a little bit friends after that, but it was different. We always want to fight for ourselves and kind of stand up for ourselves and our life. And God's saying, I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And it's just trusting that, understanding the promises, knowing that you don't have to fight and win every battle, that he's won the most important battle in your life. And our responsibility is to focus on the go, but he wants us to understand understand that it's not all about what we do, how I'm going to go out and do this and my thinking, and, but it's God refining us, giving us love. It's God wanting us to have influence. It's God wanting to fight for us, and it's God wanting to use us. I'm going to bless all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And I, I just wonder, like, would we, can, can we step into that faithfulness that God just wants to use us wherever we're at, influence great or small. He wants to use us. I think we've got to understand the promise that he's given us here. Let's continue reading verse 4. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Man, for some of you that are over age you know, 40, 50, like, come on. Some of you that, that are closer to the 75 realm, like, think about kind of stepping out in faith at that age. Like, it, I'm for real. Like it, we think that stepping out in faith is something for young folks to do, right? It, it's a little bit harder the more like kind of established things you get, the career and we're comfortable. It's a little bit harder as we kind of you know age and things that we, we get a little more comfortable. But God's telling the man that's 75 years old to step out in faith here. You know, let's continue reading uh, at verse five. He took his wife Sarai and nephew Lot and all the possessions they had accumulated and. And uh, the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Abram traveled, verse 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At the time the Canaanites were in the land. Catch that. The Canaanites were in the land. This is land that God has promised to Abraham. This is a land that he will show him. And now he's headed there. And he shows up. And, and what's happening here? The Canaanites are there, and I think because we understand like Canaan is like this promised land, it's this place that God's leading, and we have this really beautiful, idealistic kind of picture of it. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, if you read the scriptures. It's this really beautiful place with mountains and rivers and waterfalls. But the Can- and that is all true about the land, but the Canaanites were like the absolute opposite of the scenery. They were the most perverse people on the face of the planet. They were the Satanists of their time. 
This was, this was not who, came, like, who, what Abraham pictured in his mind. This is, I mean, some of you, like, you kind of think about your life, the people you work with, man, this job is amazing, and then you start getting in there, like, man, these people are a bunch of sinners. Like, man, these people are rough. These guys are a bunch of perverts. The perverts were their jokes. Or we start thinking about our kids and, like, growing up, and, like, we, man, I thought my kid was going to turn into this perfect little angel. I thought he was going to be super easy, and he'd just go down for a nap, and I thought he was just going to be a straight-A student. That's kind of, that's what we paint when God says, go to the land, I'll show you, I'll take, that's kind of the pictures we paint, right? Kind of paint how it's all going to be nice and beautiful and all that. Abraham shows up and it, it ain't as planned. <laughs> like there's the most perverse people on the face of the planet sitting next to his river that God promised him. <laughs> sitting next to, you know, standing on the mountain that God said is going to be his. Things are not as planned. I think really the third thing I want to share with you, leaving the familiar for the promise, is that the seasons are going to change. Things aren't always going to look like you want, but the promise doesn't change. Things are not going to meet your expectations, but if we'll be faithful, we'll continue to walk with the Lord, they will exceed our expectations. Not in the timing, which we'll talk about in a second. The seasons changed. It was not as he thought. They were gaining people. He had accumulated things. Things were going good for a little while, but he gets here, and it is not as he expected. Some of you that have been with Fathom Church for any length of time, we have a big vision of what God's going to do in and through this church, and we're very early in that journey. We are. We're very early in that journey. And many times we can be kind of thrown around back and forth by seasons um, because we see people adding, right? We see people adding to the church. We see growth happening, right? So that happens here in this verse, but you know what happens in the next chapter? Well, at the end of this chapter, Abraham kind of walks unfaithfully for a minute, and then in the next chapter, Lot leaves him. They, they part ways. So people come, people go. Things aren't always as you expect, but our job is faithfulness. And the seasons change, but the, the promise doesn't. God wants us to, to wrap our brains around that. Abram went. Abram went. Things were not as he expected, but we've got to be faithful in the promise. The promise doesn't change. Uh, let, let's continue on. Verse 7. Uh, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Two your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Okay, did you guys catch that? To your offspring I'll give this land. Not only, like, are things not as expected, like where there's people taking over his promise and like the, just the most perverted people there that he ever thought. Not only that, but God drops a bomb on him when he gets there. He's like, yeah, bro, this ain't all about you. I will give this land to who? Your offspring. And I think if we're really honest with ourselves, the promise is always about us, right? Come on, like, be real. Like, when we see that promise, we start painting it out for ourselves. And God's doing a little reality check with Abraham and his walk with God and his faithfulness and his steps. This promise, bro, you, you've got it all about you. But I, 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 I will make, I will make, I will give you legacy, I will use you, and people will be blessed. So there is a you involved in it, but it's so much more than that. I will give this land to your offspring. Abraham had a reality check that things aren't going to happen in his timing. They're going to happen in God's timing. When we thought it was all about him and his timing and the way things, reality check, I'm going to give the land to your offspring. I think really the fourth thing I want to share with you this morning, is we've got to rest in the Lord's timing. Rest in the Lord's timing. 
We force things. We, we make things happen. We wait. Like we, we're all over the time, you know, space continuum when it comes to being faithful with God. But just focus on the go and just walk when he tells you to walk. If he tells you to go, but he tells you to wait a year, okay, do that. <laughs> do that. When we were walking in that journey, um, when we lived in Georgia and we were on staff at a church, man, it was years before I walked into the things that God was bringing me to. Is that I will show you. I'm going to call you to do that. And I wasn't waiting because I was afraid, but I was afraid. I was waiting because it wasn't the Lord's timing. So many times we want our timing. We force everything. But when we learn to rest in the Lord's timing, things work out a lot smoother. They do. I, I could just go on and on and on about just the things where we just rested in the Lord's timing and things just worked out perfectly. They really did because it was his timing. You know, and it's not me mapping everything out. God gives us a wisdom and he gives us knowledge and he speaks to us. Hey, you know, you're going to be on the road for about a month and then you're going to be, you're going to be planted. That, that's what God spoke to me. In, in moving from Georgia to here, I want you to kind of be mobile for about a month and then I want you to move in a month later. Well, 30 days, I mean, exactly one month from March 23rd and we moved in on April 23rd. God, it was his time and he said it and so we rested in it and we walked in it. So you got to rest in it before you can walk in it. Rest in the Lord's timing. But the Lord appeared to him. Come on, how about this? Like sometimes when things aren't working in the timing you thought you needed the Lord to appear to you, like I need some FaceTime, God. When it's not going as planned, when you've got some unmet expectations, you, need, you start crying out to the Lord. God will meet you in that. He will. God will meet you right there with it. And the, and the question to us today is, can we be faithful to the call even when it's not about us? When it's promised to our offspring and to us, but the land will be given to our offspring. And that gets harder. That gets harder when the promise isn't all uh, about us. God appears to him, and I want to talk a little more about that really uh, in, in correlation with uh, verses 8 and 9. Um, so he built an altar there to the Lord, verse 7, uh, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills uh, east of Bethel and pitched, uh, pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord. So, so he, there's kind of two. From, from there, he went on toward the hills. So God, he built an altar there where God appeared to him, moves on, moves a little bit, and he builds another altar, and he cries out to the Lord. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord, the character of who God is. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. I think the final thing I want to share with you today is these moments in life when things don't meet the expectations, the painting, things are not working out like we want, I think it's time, I'm, I'm using a little bit of a pun here, but to alter our perspective. These moments, these times, these seasons where God wants to alter our perspective, where he wants to refine us, he wants to give us legacy, but we've got to alter our perspective. We built two altars, and I'll talk more about those in just a moment. There was a time where Taryn and I were in New York City, and we were kind of just vacationing, just spending spend a week up in, in New York City and vacationing. And, and uh, I, I think we were just coming from the airport, um, and we grabbed a cab. And I, I've been out there, you know, a handful of times. And, and uh, I'm super, um, I don't know, aware that they're out to make money. And so if, you're, if, you've, if you don't have a Brooklyn accent or a Long Island accent, like, they're going to take you the long way, you know, regardless of traffic. So we got in the cab, and uh, I, I know that we should be going over the Queens Bridge from the airport we were at, and I know that, um, and he, he just kind of is taking us down the long way, right, because he's on a mileage clicker, and he's going to get a little more money. 
So I'm very aware. And the scenery, I can immediately tell, like, the scenery's not looking like I, I think. I'm like, the bridge is right there. You're going this way. That's not the way. And so I, I just, I spoke up, you know, like things aren't going the way we want, like journey's not taking the route we think. We speak up and we need some FaceTime with the driver. And I don't mean to, to um, you know, in any way make a correlation other than I feel like we're that w- with God sometimes. You know, like things aren't going the way we want, you know, it's not working out like we want. The journey isn't taking the path that we thought it would take. And we forget that God's fighting for us. We forget that he's going to bless those who bless us, curse those who curse us. And it's in these times that God wants to alter our perspective. He built an altar, and he had this, God appeared to him. He, he saw God, and he built that altar. The altar was significant because not only was it a place of significance for Abraham, but it was something, again, that would be passed down to his children, his children's children. That every time when he comes back to that place, when his kids come back to that place, they would stand there, they'd look at this mountain of rocks or whatever it would be, and they'd say, this is a place where God appeared to my dad. And if it was Abraham, this is a place where God appeared to me. And I remember what God spoke in my life. And it would help me grab a hold of, of what he's doing in the current season. And there's powerful moments throughout the scripture where the altar has a huge significance. And maybe God wants to bring some things back around for you. Think promises that he's spoken to you. Moments that you've seen his face. And after that, like it, it wasn't enough. Abraham's like, all right, I don't know what to do, God. And he goes over and he builds another altar and he cries out to the name of the Lord. I think we look in um, the life of Job and Job is like super faithful man, right? Like, like he, he's like super faithful man. If he had like a superhero, he'd be super faithful man, right? I mean, we just think about everything that happened to Job. We just celebrate Job like he's Jesus or something. And, and Job was faithful, man. He was really faithful. Like, dude, like, hung in there, like, for a long time. But because Job, the book of Job is really long. It's like a super long book. And, and a lot of times we miss, like, chapters 29 on. And it wasn't all pretty for Job. Um, chapter 29 of Job, Job is like, he's over it, man. <laughs> like, life has happened to him a little bit too much. Like, been a little bit too much craziness for him to keep being faithful. God's been silent for too long. And Job's just over it. He really is. And he's like, God, where are you? He's crying out. He's like, God, I used to hear your voice, and now I feel like you're fighting against me, where I, I knew like you were working in that season. I don't see you. I don't hear you now. It's kind of a crying out to God moment, like with Abraham. And there's a back and forth between a guy named Elihu, who really kind of poured, was trying to pour into his life and warn him, like, check your attitude at the door, bro. Like, this thing will turn out good for you. And for like six or seven chapters, and we get to chapter 38, Job chapter 38, and God's heard this kind of whole thing going on, and God responds to Job, the guy who was faithful for so long, and all of a sudden, like, he's breaking. Like, anybody been there, breaking moment? Been hanging in there, Lord, but I'm about over it. You know, I'm just going to cry out. Job 38, then the Lord uh, spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Mic drop. Like you can walk away there, but it gets even worse. <laughs> Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Like, whew, like, like I've heard some moments where like my dad was like, son, you better recognize who you're speaking to. I've had some moments in that. Anybody had like a mama or papa like said, you know, straighten, straighten up. 
brace yourself like a man. You know something bad about to come when the middle name comes in. Kyle Michael, you better, <laughs> you know something's coming. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimension? Surely, surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy, who shut up the sea behind the doors and behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped in its thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I, lay, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by its edges and shake the wicked out of it? I'll, I'll stop there. It goes on and on. Like, he's going to make sure Job gets the picture. He is wanting a moment for Job, this season where God's, God ain't done with Job. He wanted to continually refine him. Those things were nowhere to Job's perspective and how he thought things would play out for the promise of God. He thought it would happen in this time and it hasn't got there yet. So he's frustrated, he shares, and God just kind of doesn't drop the mic. He just keeps on going and going. Job ends up responding and is like, I'm sorry, God. And then God jumps back in. <laughs> and then finally, after God kind of, they go back and forth a couple times, Job responds with something in Job chapter 42 that I want you to get a picture of. Job 42. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Some of us have been living off a, a life of hearing about God. Been hearing about him. And God wants you to, well, he wants you to get a, get a face-to-face. And, and this might not be the turn that you thought for this message, but God wants to bring us to repentance. Because when we get to a place where we're like, God, I'm sorry, I get it. It does bring you in his presence when he appears to you, and you get that picture of it, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to rest in your timing. I'm going to learn to understand this promise that you are working on me in this season, and I, I receive it, and I'll walk in it, God. As long as it might be, I'll, I'll endure it, and that's, that's the faithfulness that God's calling us to today. It's going to be a time of altering our perspective. They, they would, ash and dust and ashes, they cover themselves in it. It's just a way of saying, God, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I deserve death, but you bring me to life. It's a, it's a repentance. And so I want to invite you to stand today. And-